All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Boombastic Cast. You got myself, Macho Fisher, with the great Alexander the Hawk chilling with us. Heck yeah. You know, Heck we yeah. wanted to, uh, today's, today's episode comes to you in the wake of tragedy, of course. You know what I mean? Uh, this whole episode uh, is a bonus episode where our, our Memoriam 2021 episode is also being released today. Um, this is like a extended version of it. Um, you know, we, we did an episode like a week or so, week and a half or so ago where we talked about, um, all the people who passed in, in the entertainment for world that we were influenced by. Um, and you know, it's crazy because while we were, sh- while we, we're recording that episode. Uh, the, the unfortunately, Bob Saget passed away while do while we were doing that episode, and we learned about it later that evening. And uh, it's kind of a crazy story because as we record this episode uh, earlier this morning, in the wee hours of this morning, uh, Meatloaf, a musician and actor, passed away, and Louis Anderson, you know what I mean, comedian and actor, passed away. Two people that we. Um, got mad love for, you know what I mean? Um, so we kind of wanted to almost do a continuation episode to go with the memoriam episode, even though they're more 2022 people, uh, it just kind of linked up awkwardly, you know what I mean? And we did our rest in peace, Norm McDonald episode with Greg Deliso, And, uh, we wanted to do another rest in peace episode and God, God kept the body, the parties bile and piling up on us. So we wanted to kind of give a, you know, we'll, we'll go into them a little bit. Um, but I guess first up, we'll go with uh, Bobby Saget, Robert Sagalo, you know, Robert Saget. Um, you know, I think a lot of us kind of stumbled into Bob via America's Funniest Home Videos and Full House, of course. Um, later on, you know, I became, you know, Dirty Work was legendary with Norm and, and Artie. Um you know, it's one of those deals. So, you know, as we do on the show, you know, we want to, we'll take a, a small trip through some of uh, Bob's work, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, talk about what we liked, enjoyed about his body of work. Uh, entertainment wise, of course, uh, you know, the, the comedy, you know, when did, when did Bob Saget first hit your radar, Hawk Band? Well, I mean, I think he first hit my radar as much as a lot of other uh, people my age, and that was uh, Full House. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, you know, the only thing I knew was, you know, he did Full House, and then, of course, like you said, American uh, Funniest Home Videos, of course, uh, shortly afterwards around the, around the same time. Yeah. And, I mean... The thing is that uh, I always find it interesting when you're dealing with uh, actors that is known for something, and then you find out that they're also known for something else. For example, I, I when I first saw Bob Zegg on Full House, I knew nothing about him. I did not know he was a comedian. I did not know what he had done before that. Right. But... Uh, I really liked him. He was a uh, one of those uh, guys that were in a hierarchy of what I would say television dads. 
you know, the, the, the dad that, you know, you could always count on to, if he did not have the right, um, advice, he at least was trying. He was always trying to, you know, help his kids grow and learn and help them through the tough times. And Bob Sega was a big thing in, uh, in my life, uh, like I said, with Full House. And then, of course, later on, I mean, I found out about his comedy. And his comedy, I mean, as anyone who knows his comedy, is so, so raunchy and different from his persona on Full House. It, it, it uh, helped solidify the fact that he was a very good actor. He could do a lot of different things, even though he was mainly known as, you know, the lovable fa- uh, lovable father in Full House. And, and he was a great host on American, uh, fa- uh, American Family um, Home Videos. Funny Home Videos, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the comedies definitely was super raunchy. Uh, you did not expect that. I, you know, I, I, like yourself, I stumbled into the comedy later in life after the wholesome, you know, America's Funniest and Full House um, almost annoyingly wholesome, you know what I mean? So it was interesting to see him kind of his extreme comedy, which, you know, I like the extreme comedy like the Hawkman does. And of course, Saget did too. Um, just recently, we both uh, follow him on the gram. And I know that like the, the night before he passed away, he posted up something about, um, about how like he he was kicking off his new tour and he was so excited to tour again. And I know that I listened to his podcast as well. Um, and I know that he was trying to go in a more positive direction with this comedy. You know, he said that now is a time right now people need more positivity in their life with the COVID and such. So he was, he was kind of stepping out of that raunchiness, I think, and going into a different direction. The podcast is really cool. Um, maybe the biggest tragedy of all is that the last guest on his podcast was BJ Novak, which, uh, was an awful fucking guest, uh, awful interview. I just don't, you know, I was neither here nor there with BJ Novak. And I will say that after I listened to that interview, I was, uh, there neither, uh, I wasn't here because I didn't want, didn't want to be involved. But yeah, B, that that interview was uh it does it doesn't BJ Novak don't look good in that interview, and I'm sure he's uh he looks like he saw, he comes off like a fucking dickhead, you know what I mean? Um, you know the way he is on the films and his more show his TV shows, he comes off. Uh, Novak's one of those dudes that the character he played in The Office is kind of like what he is in real life, that kind of weaselly annoying dude. And that's kind of what I gathered from him being uh, on the uh, in the interview. But it could have just been a gimmick. For all I know, it could have been a gimmick. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was very uh, it was very sad. I know that he he posted up a big thing saying that he was you know so happy to be back and that he loved it. And uh, I commented on it. I said, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody had fun and they loved you back. And that was uh, which was nice to be able to say that. I hope he got to read that before he died. And then he died like maybe 12 hours later. Uh, I don't know if they know the official cause of death. I think they're going with a heart attack. Uh, He died in a hotel room in Orlando, which is unfortunately, you know, with comedians, uh, you'll see, you know, sad stories of them dying alone in hotel rooms and stuff because they're always on the road and doing it. 
Um, I know that he was recently married. He had a new beautiful wife that he was in love with. So, you know, I kind of hope he had peace. You know, people say that when you, you know, that people die peacefully in your sleep. I don't exactly know how true that statement is. I feel like dying, uh, something as big as dying might wake you up. You know what I mean? People wake up where they hear a car door shut outside their window. I feel like uh, death would probably be a little more aggravating than that car door shutting outside your window. But uh, yeah, Bob Saget, legendary, directed Dirty Work, which uh, we brought it before, which is just a great dark comedy. You know what I mean? There's so many fun stories about that, the making of that. Whenever you hear Artie and Norman Saget, whenever they used to be together, on podcasts and stuff, they would always talk about the madness of making it and, you know, the fun times they had making it. And uh, I know that they were going to do, uh, I guess they got greenlit to do a part two, a dirty work too. Um, you know, and Norm, when he was sick, he didn't think he was going to, he thought he, I think he beat cancer a few times and it came back. And I don't think they were looking at it like it was going to be the end. And uh, which was very sad. So they were kind of holding hope for him to get better from that. And I think they were going to roll into production. Um, and then they probably had to worry about Artie for a little bit because Artie had some real bad troubles with fucking that Heron for a bit. And uh, yeah, you know, so like it never, I'd love to read the script for it. Uh, I wonder if it'll ever get leaked online. But let's, uh, let's pop into some of the work that Mr. Saget, you know, we'll get into his whole deal. Now, the first thing up on his resume that r- rings true to me is he was in an episode of Bosom Buddies, The Show Must Go On, 1981. He played Bob the Comet pretty much himself. Um, I know that we just recently lost, um, what's his name? Uh, Peter Scolari. He was mentioned mm-hmm. in our memoriam episode. He played opposite. He was one of the stars opposite of Tom Hanks. Um and, uh, you know, Bosom Buddies is a show. It's funny because I always liked Bosom Buddies, but society was so weird that when you were, you were watching cross dressers, you almost, there was like a, there was a weird vibe to it. You know what I mean? As a kid, I remember almost like, uh, almost like not wanting to like it, so to speak. Weird. Now I wear women's clothing and I think everything's okay. So uh, <laughs> we, we hope for the best. We shoot for the top and don't stop. You know what they say? Yeah. Uh, he's also was in The Greatest American Hero, of course, which was a big show from our time with uh, William Cat, the great William Cat. Um, Critical Condition, you know what I mean? He played Dr. Joffe. Uh, I love Critical Condition. I think it's one of the best Richard Pryor solo efforts. We also got to see, you know, rest in peace, Michael Apted, the director, uh, died last year as well. You know what I mean? We In the, in the, mem- the full memoriam episode, we gave him shout outs. Um, Prior, always rest in peace, prior, no matter what year it is, always rest in peace to Richie because he's like top three of all time comedians, I feel. And uh, critical conditions, my favorite part where you call somebody a penis head. I always like to bring that up because what well, it don't get no better than that, you know what I mean? Okay, you penis head, ah, uh, you fucking penis head, you know what I mean? Uh, Danny Tanner, after that, I think the Danny Tanner thing really fucking blew up you know what i mean and 87 is when full house started did 192 episodes of that um you know danny tanner that straight laced um weatherman i think he was on the show who Uh, no no uh uh, he wasn't the weatherman he was uh one of the hosts of leave i think it was actually 
him and the actress who the played girl. Becky. Yeah. Yeah, it was them, and that's how uh, Uncle Jesse met Aunt Becky, and then they ended up, you know, getting married. So, at least that's that's my memory. I mean, I haven't seen it in like a a few years. Yeah, I'm with you. He was also in an episode of Quant- Quantum Leap, which we le- we lost Dean Stockwell last year too. Uh, like I've said before, unfortunately, you know, it's just one of those deals where all the people that we kind of appreciated from 20 years ago, you know what I mean? They're all going to kind of stop dying, unfortunately, but it's just life. You know what I mean? Um, it's one of those deals, but yeah, Danny Tanner, you can't, you can't go wrong with some Danny Tanner. Uh, just it's, it's. It's a quite a big uh, difference from Danny uh, Tanner to uh, the uh, coke, uh, cocaine addict in Half Baked. He used to suck dick for coke. Great yes, one. yes. One, one of, of the best, best cameos yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I remember watching that movie and I was like, wait a minute. Did I just see Bob Saget? Did he actually just say that? Yeah. I was like, damn. That's what's so funny. He's all strung out looking and stuff. That's so funny. That's a great cameo. You know, he's also in uh, the Larry Sanders show, which Larry, Larry Sanders, what's his name? Uh, oh, man, I am I don't know. What's his fucking Larry Sanders, uh, Gary Shandling, Gary Shandling. Yeah. You know, that's a great show. Uh, fucking devastating show. If no one's ever seen it, check out that. Because Gary Shandling, uh, who passed away, I think, two or three years ago. Uh, that's a great show, dude. I really love that show. Uh, whenever I get sick, that's one of my shows that I binge watch to keep me fuck, to keep my morale high, to keep me in the earth. You know what I mean? Also, he was in Meet Wally Sparks. You know what I mean? Like, With our yeah. boy Rodney Dangerfield and uh, our boy fucking Lenny Clark. Who's a big fan of DJ Stan the Man? We got to get him on the show one of these days. Uh, he's riding bikes. He's too busy riding bikes and doing it big. But we'll get him on here one of these days. Then, of course, Half Baked, you know, as Hawk just said, classic, classic, you know, film. Um, super cool, you know what I mean? Of course, he was on the Norm show. Um, you know, just kind of killing it. You know what I mean? He was in Dumber and Dumb and Dumber, Dumber Er when Harry met Lloyd. You remember that? He played the father. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good times, man. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, just kind of uh, very unfortunate. You know what I mean? Remember Farce of the Penguins, he directed as well. You know what I mean? He was big in that. Um, Entourage, he played himself. You know, it was always funny to see Saget return and play himself in things like an entourage where he's just like a wild character. You know, I'm sure that the it was pushed, you know what I mean? It was comedic, you know, it was very comedic, um, comedic type deal. You know, he was on an episode of Louie, of course, with fucking Louis C.K. Um, Lauren Order, he was on, you know, you know, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, he was the narrator for that. So he yeah. was in like every single episode without being in every single episode, if you know what I mean. He always started it with, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's funny because I know my brother was into that series and a lot of other people, but I could never really get into it. I mean, I did think it was a cool uh, choice having, you know, Bob Saget as the voice because, sure. uh, so, hmm? for sure, oh, for sure, I said. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and and uh, and I gotta say, it's funny because uh, you always have people saying, "Oh, I want Morgan Freeman to narrate my life," or Samuel L. Jackson. Me personally, I would rather have it Bob Saget. Yeah, he just had a very you know kind of calm and nice you know cadence to his voice that you know put you at ease. I always thought. Yeah, no, I'm with that. I'm with that for sure. You know, he did fully return for Fuller House. He did like what 15 episodes of that. Yeah. My girlfriend was a big fan of that show. I never really got into the Fuller House. The return, I didn't really return. Um, but I did like Full House as a kid. You know what I mean? And right after Saget died, you know, whenever I when I go to bed, we fall asleep to television shows. So when he died, uh, we've been watching Full House, rolling through the, se- the, the 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 series of Full House since. We're still kicking it uh, now, still going through it. But yeah, iconic. I- you know what I mean? I do. I do want to throw in uh, an episode he was in in a uh, series that uh, you might not know uh, called "The Good Cop." Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. Uh, it's with our boy um, uh, Tony Danza. Oh, I love Tony. Yeah, um, it's honestly. I think they only did one season. It's on Netflix. Uh, pretty much, the idea is Tony Danza is kind of. Uh, a, a disgraced cop uh, who uh, is living at home with his son, who's, you know, kind of the straight laced by the books kind of um, detective. And his father's more of like, Hey, you know, we can bend the rules. We can do really? this. Yeah. And what I loved was they did one episode where Bob Saget uh, played. I know it's hard to believe, but a comedian. Mm-hmm. Okay, called Richie Knight, and the episode was called "Did the TV Star Do It?" And uh, I, to to do spoilers, uh, the TV star did do it. Oh no! But, but but it's but the thing was that he uh, it was so great because uh, he played such a conniving, weaselly character in this movie where to try to discredit, like, the detective or which is going into him, he actually brings his father on and humiliates him on TV in front of everybody. Yeah. Humiliates Tony Danza. Yeah. Okay? And then there's another part where uh, he, uh, he, ends up, he, he confesses what he did to the good cop, which is the son of of the Tony Danza character. But what he does is he pushes him into a, a swimming pool. So he's soaked. So if he had any listening devices on him, you know, uh, it, it wouldn't work. I, I just, I, I mean, that was the last thing I saw uh, Bob Saget in, which I was like, that thought was cool. So. Whenever I think of Tony Danza outside of Who's the Boss, I always think of these bits that Opie and Anthony used to do back in the day where they would, uh, back when Tony Danza had his show. I don't remember that, but Tony Danza had like a... Who's the Boss? Yeah. No, 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 no. Like a talk show. Oh, okay. He had like a um, midday, like Rosie O'Donnell and Ellen type show. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I don't even remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of it. But uh, um, Opie and Anthony... Uh, they did these bits, these radio. And anybody out there don't know Opie and Anthony? They're these two shock jock dudes that uh, 
did all these funny bits and shit. Check them out if you, everybody probably knows who they are. But um, what they would do is they had one of their people go to the line outside of where the people would go into the Tony Danza show. And uh, Anthony did a good impression of Tony Danza. So he would have the, a guy walk around and uh, w- with like a phone and he would talk to he, he would pick like a fan out of the out of the line and be like, hey, uh, we got Tony on the phone here. He wants to talk to some of the fans, you know, believable story. And uh, he'd get on the phone with the, with these ladies and he would joke about how like you he, would want. He's like, hey, you know, you should come backstage, you know, maybe give me a blowjob or something. And like the, the, these, the, some of the girls were like cool with it, which was funny. And then other ones were just like, what? Which was even more funnier. And uh, yeah, because Tony's such a clean cut type of dude. That's why it's interesting to, uh, to hear that he kind of played a bad cop. I'm interested in seeing that. I got to meet Tony Danza which was cool. He did a convention up here um, before COVID, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I forget yeah. which con it was. Uh, thank you. Well, I think it was Super Mega Fest. Was it Super Mega Fest? I wanted to say Super Mega Fest. I have footage on my cellular phone uh, video that I taped of him. There was like a little band there with a guy with a ukulele um, that was doing songs. And him and Tony Danza actually did a song together and it was one of those kind of live moments for whoever was in the room type deal and i got it on tape so if tony d ever drops we'll have maybe we'll figure out a way to put that into an episode somehow even though we don't our 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 rest in peace episodes don't get videos they just get audio so maybe we'll just play the audio yeah i promise the audience that when we do the rest in peace tony danza episode uh the audio from that clip will make its way probably at the end of the video but, uh, yeah, Tony Danza, let's not talk about Tony. We're upsetting Bob. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Farce of the Penguins, you know what I mean? Uh, the kind of spoofing. The, there was that other Penguin movie that came out, March of the Penguins, which was yeah. a big deal at the time, which I think Morgan Freeman uh, narrated that to bring to call back to Morgan yeah. Freeman. And uh, he did kind of like a weird mockumentary where he has comedian friends would do different voices. So you would see the penguins, but, you you know, different. They would they would say, you know, comedians would say weird shit, which was fun. I know he recently released a movie called Benjamin, um, which I haven't seen, but I'm looking forward to seeing. And uh, I know that uh, he just finished up a a documentary with uh, with Martin Mull. From like Clue, uh, from uh, you know Roseanne, he was in the show Roseanne and stuff. Uh, big comedy career. Uh, it's in post production now, I believe. So hopefully we'll see that somewhere cool uh, in the future. But yeah, very uh, very sad for the Saget to go down. Rest in peace. Much love. Um, you know, I, I was reading uh, a little write up where. They had um, John Stamos, who, of course, was very close friends with them. Um, there's a Bob Saget roast. That's a, that's a lot of fun, too. Uh, that's a good look back to kind of pay tribute to him. But uh, Stamos did a eulogy for him, and it was very sad. You know what I mean? And they, it, it went back and forth where he told some jokes, and he, he got, got heartfelt, which is kind of the way to do it. And just reading it, you kind of felt you felt – you know, the sadness, you know, you felt the heart in it. And 
Because, you know, those dudes are real close, you know what I mean? It'd be like if Buddy Buttafuoco did a eulogy for Alexander the Hawk over there. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was, was very Buddy. beautiful. It would be very beautiful. I don't know if Buddy could get through it. He'd be so he'd be on so much drugs if the Hawk man died that I don't know if he'd be able to ever do anything again. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if, if, if I died, I'm afraid that Buddy could lose his voice, you know, crying so much. He would crack. He'd be all cracked. You know, it'd be all crazy. Voice would be cracked out in more ways than one, if you know yeah. what I mean, dude. It'd be intaking crack smoke, and it would be cracking from the emotion. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, so do you want to say anything else about Bobito? I know we, we pay our respects. We're going to try and get to a couple different entertainers that dropped off uh, recently. Because, like I said, the, the earlier today, which is very ironic and weird, that the day we did the memoriam, Bob Saget died, that episode. And then the day that we sat down to do the Bob Saget episode, uh, Meatloaf and Louis Anderson died. So it's almost like increasing the stakes a little bit where we got two people, two people. You know what I mean? First, we got Bob Saget, the one, and then we go to pay tribute to Saget and we got two other people passed. It's almost like we need to stop doing these episodes or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting worried. I mean, uh, I'm I'm afraid when we stop recording, I'm going to turn this off and find out that someone else is fast. It's very possible. You know what I mean? But, I mean, well, I mean, like I said with Bob, I mean, Bob will always have a special place in my heart for Full House. Yeah. I mean, I grew up watching that, that series. I loved it. And, you know, he was another one of those, you know, sitcom family dads that you could always count on to, you know, watch, and he and Jesse and Joey, you know, they all all tried their best. And, and, and another thing that I loved was the fact that, you know, it was about a single dad, and mm-hmm. the single dad brought in, you know, his brother-in-law and also his best friend to come in and, you know, help him raise raise all, all his, uh, his, his girls, which I thought was a very nice... And kind of uplifting, you know, premise that, you know, uh, I mean, how many people can you think that, you know, when something like that will actually have people that will move in and to help to share the uh, the duties of raising these kids? Well, they're, I all mean, fi- they're fictional characters, but I hear where you're going. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the thing is that we always like to think that if something happens and you're raising your kids and you lose a spouse that you'll always have support from other people. But, you know, I mean, but it was nice seeing that on, on, you know, well, on the, the big screen and, 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 and it, 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 no, well, small screen, but you know, yeah, it was nice seeing bringing in showing that even with tragedy, people coming together to try to overcome and, help each other through the tragedy. You see, yeah, that's interesting because I always looked at, uh, you know, uh, Je- Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey, I think it was Gladstone. And yeah. and uh, they were like two struggling entertainment people that were, were on, the, on, the, on the verge of being homeless. I always felt like the music career wasn't where it should have been. He wanted to be a rock star. And then the other one wanted to be a comedian. CCC always, always give it to my pal Matthew Fisher to point out the selfish reasons 
why those two decided to move in. I like to look at it on the positive thing that they just wanted to help their friend. They wanted to help raise and mold these young girls into great, strong, uh, powerful women. But no, no, no. They were just struggling actors and and, and musicians that needed a place to stay. They were grooming those daughters into being sex slaves, buddy. I didn't want to tell you. They were eventually going to knock off Danny Tanner and just turn that house into a fucking bordello. But what can you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so definitely rest in peace, Bob Saget. You know what I mean? Uh, definitely a loss. You know, he, he seemed so fucking full of life and healthy. And, dude, that dirty work curses madness because out of all the – out of both Norman fucking Bob and Artie – I hate to say it, but you always feel Artie has so many issues, you'd think Artie would have went before him, you know what I mean? And I don't wish that. I love Artie, too. It's just kind of weird that those two went before Artie. But uh, much love to Saget, dude. Much love and respect to Saget. And, uh, you know, next up, we'll get into Meatloaf, of course, you know, who died. Uh, Meatloaf, I got the announcement for Meatloaf at, like, maybe... Like four o'clock in the morning, my phone alerted me because I get the updates. You know, whenever whenever anybody dies out, my phone always through AOL.com usually sends me a little notification of breaking news. You know, and the same thing with Norm, man. I seen the picture, I seen Norm, and I was like, Don't be dead, dude. Don't be dead and keep reading these sure enough he's dead. The same thing with Saget. And with the thing with Saget, it's like, you know. He was getting ready to pop. You know, I don't think he ever slowed down. That that could have been a big part for him too. From from that era, from Full House and, and Funniest Home Videos on, he's been staying. If he wasn't doing comedy, he was he was appearing somewhere else. But he was always in a big way beloved. You know what I mean? He's almost like a Saget's. You know, Danny Tanner was almost like a Heathcliff Huxtable in a way. Um, except his comedy was raunchy and not his actual life, real life was raunchy, like Cosby or, uh, or uh, 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 speculate, because I guess they, they let him out of jail and said that he didn't do those things. Um, there's also this weird Cosby documentary coming, which it looks like garbage, where everybody's all like, the, the documentary is just about how the people feel betrayed by fucking what Cosby did. Just another thing I think they give fucking comedians that nobody really knows uh, something to be a part of but the bob saget thing very sad um and uh, do you want to say anything else about saget before we roll off into meatloaf no no i i think i pretty much said everything i i had about uh bob saget i mean he's, he's definitely one of those people that will definitely be missed yeah meatloaf will pop off into meatloaf you know what i mean um mm, and meatloaf tastes good uh, too soon, dude. Too soon. Uh, Your heart, you're making me sad now. I'm sorry. And I would do anything <laughs> for love. you. I think everybody that don't know how to sing like myself has, has has sang those lyrics, that one line, and felt like they were real singers. That's one of those <laughs> lines where I think anybody can do, and he had so much heart into it. You know what I mean? Um the Bad Out of Hell, I think it was Bad Out of Hell 2, I think came out in 1993, if I remember correctly. And I remember I went to the store and I actually bought the cassette because of that two things. 
I Would Do Anything for Love is a fucking monster jam. Um, and the artwork was so great. You, you feel like you're getting into some heavy metal shit. And he was a rock and roller dude, you know what I mean? But he was more uh, operatic, like he, more opera style singing. You know, it wasn't your casual, um, maybe a little leaning towards Dio a little bit, but not so much. He was his own deal for sure. Rest in peace, Dio. And, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, you know, he, he, he transcended. He was, you know, he did a lot of fucking movies and TV. And his music career, of course, was, you know, iconic in itself. Um, but, yeah, the first movie up that I, that I, I remember Milo from was 1975's The Rocky Horror Picture Show, where he played Eddie, you know, the ex-delivery boy. Um, you know, great. You know, he has that big scene where he rides in on his motorcycle. He sings his song and then Frank and kills him. You know what I mean? Um, but great, you know, and the Rocky Horror Picture Show is just is one of those iconic fucking movies, cult classics in every sense of the word cult classic. Uh, it'll always be around. will never go away. And uh, yeah, you know, Meatloaf's uh, addition to that film was really great. He was this badass, cool. He was probably the manliest man in the whole show, you know, the whole movie, which I think that's kind of what they wanted him to be. His character is very brutish and manly man. And um, he's quickly killed by a man, woman, you know what I mean? <laughs> which is very cool. We, we support men, women killing uh, off all the men. We're keeping it with the times. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show. You ever get into rock? We never talked about that. Have you ever gotten into Rocky Horror Picture Show? Uh, to be perfectly honest, and I know that I'm going to probably uh, get a lot of crap for it. All right. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I've never watched it all the way through. It's a good show. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've listened to the music. I think uh, I think it's cool and all that. It's just one of those things I never got around to watching it. I mean, I'm sure it's good. Uh, but also it's just, you know, it never really spoke to me as something I wanted to just run down and just watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and Meatloaf, I always enjoyed seeing him when he popped up in like movies and TV because it was always, I mean, and, and and it was funny because, I mean, for example, I mean, when he like popped up, uh, in uh, a fight club, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, it's it's a small role. It's it's not a huge role. It's a small role, but it's but he he made it iconic. He, he made it you know you know important. I and mean, it, it's that's the thing I always enjoyed about Milof is that no matter how small the role he had, and, and a lot of times he had pretty small roles. Right. But whenever he was there, he always gave it such gravitas. You know, he always gave it his all. He always, you know, you always couldn't help but, you know, watch watch his performance and be like, man, that, that was cool. And, of course, like you said, I mean, I'll Do Anything for Love is one of the best songs ever. And, and you know, Meatloaf was a character. I just, I liked, uh, liked it when I saw him. He was in a he was in like Roadie, which was a fun movie from its time. You know what I mean? But yeah, Fight Club, of course, played Bob in Fight Club. You know, 
with the boobs, Bob with the, with the tits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know Edward Norton had a gave like a nice tribute to him after he passed, uh, and definitely deserving of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we got he was in an episode of the Mo- uh, Monsters, which was a horror, like a l- little lesser known horror TV show. You know, that kind of popped off in the eighties, late eighties. And I always thought that was good times. I, I own it. Um, very kind of, um, very kind. It's good. It's it's TV made horror, but it's still it's it, 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 There's more comedy to it. There's it's creepy themes. It's not quite as creepy as like like Tales from the Crypt um, or even the Twilight some of the Twilight Zone episodes. It's kind of like a like a hammy horror, you know what I mean? But at Monsters is a good time. I, I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I mean he was also in another movie that I love called The Mighty, where yeah. it said uh, Kieran Culkin in there, and his role was extremely small. I mean he just played a friend of the the uh, terrible father of one of the main characters. And, yeah, he, honestly, I think he might be in only, like, two or three scenes. And, like I said, it was another one of those things where he only had a small time, but he owned that time. You can't help but always, you know, watch him and, and, and take note. Yeah, for sure. He was also in an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Since we brought up Tales from the Crypt, he was in the What's Cooking episode with uh, Christopher Reeve and Judd Nelson, um, which is a very – I love that episode. It's where, like, um, they, these two people own it. Reeve and uh, I think Bess Armstrong was her name. Uh, they owned, like, this little diner, and business was bad news, you know what I mean? And they were trying to figure out a way to kind of up the business – and they got this like guy that was, you know, a straggler, this like walk at walk, you know, uh, I forget we call those folks. They, they come into town, they work for a couple months to get the money. Drifter. To, to le- drifter, drifter. Yes. Uh, he played like a drifter and, you know, there was a, uh, there was like, they had a bill collector that was bothering me and John Nelson started working there. And John Nelson, I believe killed the, the bill collector and he started killing off people that kind of beefed with the restaurant. And, um, you know, hit 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 use their meat for like the food, and you know, business started booming, and they were making all this money. And then they eventually found out that Judd Nelson was doing this, and uh, Reeves uh, and Irma, uh, you know, good old Fred and Irma, they killed off Judd Nelson, and they used his body to, to sell it uh, to continue, you know, the cannibalism diner. But uh, I've always loved that episode. You know what I mean? Christopher Reeves later went on, I think, to do to direct an episode or two of, of Tales from the Crypt. But I definitely remember his addition to that. You know, Meatloaf was also in Wayne's World. He played Tiny. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of musical cameos in Wayne's World because of the musical theme to it. You know what I mean? Um, Leap of Faith. You ever see Leap of Faith with Steve Martin? Um, does it sound familiar? Yeah, he was like a preacher, I believe. It was uh, one of those deals where he was like a faith healer. Yeah, I I remember a little bit of it. I mean, I remember um, Steve Martin playing a faith healer. Yeah. I don't think I ever actually saw the entire film. I think I only saw like one or two, like you know, um, clips from it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't give you hard times over that. 
I remember it very uh, vaguely. I didn't, you know, I remember when it came out, I watched it. That was one of those movies that my grandmother actually owned. I watched with my grandmother because she was religious lady. And anything, even though, even though you got Hollywood making a religious movie, she would always watch them, even though Hollywood, the Hollywood religious movies are religious, you know what I mean? They're just kind of kind hearted, positive, so to speak, uh, if you will, or dabbling with that. And it would kind of uh, be religious in a way like that, you know what I mean? He did some Nash Bridges, of course. He was in the masterpiece Spice World, the Spice yeah. Girls movie, <laughs> which was very music orientated. You know what I mean? Black Dog with um, Ghost there, Patrick Swayze. It was kind of like a ripoff of his own movie, um, Roadhouse. You know, yeah, Roadhouse. Like, yeah, it was like a Roadhouse Part Two. You know, he did Chef Aid on South Park, which was cool, um, playing kind of himself. Crazy in Alabama, I remember, you know what I mean? Playing the sheriff. You know, Fight Club, Robert Paulson, you know what I mean? Um, you know, Fight Club is pr- from, from 1999. I keep remembering it, that, forgetting that it's that late in the 90s. I thought it was more mid. Um, but Fight Club, masterpiece of its time. David Fincher, quite possibly next to seven, probably the biggest movies of uh, Fincher's career. And we love Fincher. Um we had him on the show, uh, our good pal, Happy Anderson, got to work with the Finch. So if you want to hear any st- cool stories about Fincher, go check out the Happy Anderson episode. Um, Diary of the Hurdy Gurdy Man, you know, which I've never seen, but it caught my eye because uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man, the Donovan song, which I love, you know, and, and fun fact that Hurdy Gurdy Man played a big part in the Fincher's um um, what was the Zodiac movie he made? Zodiac. Lost my mind for a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the Zodiac movie he did, I think, was called Zodiac. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in that, you know, in per- perfectly placed. Hurdy Gurdy Man was perfectly placed in that film. You know, I mean, it was, just, it was just the way that it needed to be. He was also in The Salt and Sea, which is a very wild movie. Uh, Val Kilmer's in it. Um, D'Onofrio, your boy's in it. D'Onofrio, I believe, is like plays this. It's probably the best thing I think D'Onofrio's done. He plays this weird, like drug runner villain type bad guy that uh, his nose is gone. I think it was kind of Artie Langish. I think he did cocaine or something until his nose evaporated. Um, but I remember, like he, there was a scene where he like lifts. It, it's hidden throughout the movie, and then he he picks it up and he realizes he doesn't have a nose which is very crazy, um, very crazy and demented, very demented. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. as of recently, of course, you know, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. You know, we brought up Dio a little while ago. Um, great fucking movie. If anybody likes rock and roll or heavy metal music that, and you haven't seen Tenacious D's Pick of Destiny, definitely get it because, of course, it's, it's rock and roll orientated great fucking intro you know the beginning of it where where meatloaf plays um jack black's father in the beginning and uh you know he doesn't want him to listen to rock and roll and he he performs in it he's kind of does his operatic singing it's very kind of almost like a play where they're on a dinner table singing back and forth to each other um and then the kid goes upstairs in his room and dio comes through a poster in his uh in off his door which is pretty fucking awesome you know what I mean? Um, great scene. Also, uh, Masters of Horror, 
You know what I mean? Uh, the Mick Garris structured deal. He was in the uh, Dario Argento's episode called Pelts, where he was a dude that was kind of getting all these, um, you know, Pelts is animal fur. And uh, yeah, like madness ensues around that. It was a very like pro animal. Let's not fucking kill all the animals to take their fur type uh, episode, which was cool. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was Dario Argento. I'm pretty positive it was Dario Argento. Uh, he was also in House. He was in Monk. You know what I mean? Beautiful Boy. Um, you know what I mean? Glee. Dude's all over the. He never really. He was always killing it. Uh, Stage Fright. You know the new. The, they when they rebooted that horror flick, Stage Fright. He was in that. And uh, I know that he was a part of. Um, he's a part of a paranormal show recently. You know, he, the, one of the last things he did is he was. Uh, he was in Ghost Wars, which was a TV series. But I know that he was uh, either just getting ready to do, or already did. Some type of paranormal show. Somebody was telling me about that. That I don't know if it came out yet or it might not be uh, able to get. Yeah, it looks finished. like it did. Yeah, it looks like it did. Uh, uh, last uh, episode uh, was shot in 2018. Yeah, classic. Very classic stuff. You uh, you ever see Formula 51? No, no, I heard of it, but uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you ever see? Did you see Blood Rain? That horrible movie. Uh, I I know I saw bits and pieces of it, um, but don't say it's a horrible movie. We might uh, get Yui Bowl on our show one of these days. You uh, Yui Bowl, Yui Bowl gets a lot of shit. I like Yui Bowl mainly for his attitude and his films. I love how he gets he want all the, the 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 critics that shit on his movies. That he like he wants to box him, and I would gladly box Yui Bull for publicity. If he, if he listens to this, we got respect for you. I think Postal was a great film. You know what I mean? He's done some films I really like, uh, and he did some movies that I didn't really like. You know, Blood Rain I didn't really like, um, but that was at a time where I think that uh, it was the cross. It was when video games were really starting to pick up, and I don't think that it had quite either the story of it or whatever, it wasn't quite there. I felt, you know what I mean? I don't really, and I watched it. I rented it and watched it. So you can't hate me that much, Yui. Um, but if you want to come on and talk, well, I'm always down to talk about your films bowl. So let's do it. Let's fucking do it, man. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? He, he, you know, meatloaf's the dude. And I would do anything for love. But I won't do that. He should have said that about fucking the Yui Bull movie. When they <laughs> called him up and said, hey, you want to be in this, Yui, you want to be in Blood Rain? He should have been like, I would do anything for drugs, but I won't do that. No, I won't do that. I don't think Meatloaf did drugs. I was just being fun. He probably, you know, dabbled, but I don't think he had any issues or anything like that, you know, which is cool in the guy. Do you want? Is there anything you want to say in closing about our boy Meatloaf? No, not really. I mean, Meatloaf um, was a great uh, performer, and uh, he will be sorely missed. Sorely. Yeah, rest missed. in peace. Rest in peace, and much love. 
uh, to 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 meatloaf. I almost said Yui Bowl. I had a Yui Bowl on my mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? So my next bad. Up, sorry. Comedy legend Louis Anderson. You know who was k- doing it forever, dude. Much respected in the comedy world. He played real clean comic. You know what I mean? Um, back at a time when being a clean comic wasn't the coolest thing to do. Nowadays, it's kind of cool sometimes to be. At least you're more appreciated as a clean comic. We're back in the day when Dice and Kinnison were blowing up. It was like that was more preferred. You know what I mean? I know Dice and him were friendly. I just recently Dice posted up a video of him and Louie um, back like around the time that Dice broke. You know what I mean? And Louie is already killing it. Um, the first film that he that Louis credited with a film that I know that the Hawkman is a big fan of, and that is the Cloak and Gag- Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Gagger is the porno movie they made about it. But Clo- <laughs> <laughs> Cloak and Dagger uh, with your boy Hanks. You know to bring it full circle. Well, well, uh, no, 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 no. Oh. Cloak and Dagger doesn't have Hanks, dude. No, no, no. no. You're thinking of uh, Mazes and Monsters. Yeah, no, Cloak, yeah, 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 yeah. Cloak and Dagger, man. Cloak and Dagger has uh, Daphne Coleman, Henry Thomas from E.T. Um, yeah, it's... They're nerd movies. <laughs> but they're both fucking nerd movies. That's what they should just be called. Hey, nerd, hey, nerd dude, movie dude, don't knock the nerd movies, buddy. No, I love that. I, we poke fun with the things we love. You know what I mean? But, like yeah, I mean, I actually have to admit, I didn't realize he played the taxi driver in, in the movie. I'd have to watch it again. He's but, got, yeah, uh, you'll, and you can't miss him. He's got a very distinct look. Well, yeah, I know that. Not just being a heavier man like ourselves. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that movie was oh, is, is a classic, classic 80s. But, yeah, actually, uh, to uh, skip around just a little bit, of, uh, we actually tried, unfortunately, uh, timing didn't work out, but we did try to get Louie on our show. We yeah. sent him a couple of emails in the last two years. Unfortunately, I never heard back from him. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, because of his passing, it'll never happen. But uh, we definitely wanted to get him on the show. Uh, I mean, we, uh, we talked to Tom Proctor. Uh, you can check out uh, all the great stories he had about Louie. Um, because he was uh, he worked with him Basket. closely on on the TV series Baskets. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, Louis Anderson was was a very uh, very talented actor and a lot of fun. I mean, whenever you see him, you just can't help but just smile. I mean, he kind of has the same effect that I I thought the John Candy had, right. which was. I mean, while they they poked fun at themselves or at the situations, they always made, no matter how bad you felt about your current situation, they always made you feel better about about yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I always, always uh, loved Louie, and it was a shame that we did not get to uh, meet in this life. He would have been a great interview, you know what I mean? You bring up Candy. Both of those dudes came up in the comedy world where it was uh, not as PC and, 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 and anti-body shaming as it was back in the day where, like, if you were a heavy comedian, you were expected to call yourself fat. 
You know what I mean? You're expected to go off of your weight and make fun of your weight and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, for that, he did an episode of Remington steel, not to be confused with that Lexington steel, who was in cloak and dagger, you know, the porno mm-hmm. version of cloak and dagger. Um, <laughs> he was also in Ferris Bueller's day off. You know, he had a small cameo in that as the flower delivery man for anybody out there that kind of remembers that iconic John Hughes film. You know what I mean? Uh, He was also, you know, the wrong guys, which is a fun flick. And then of course, coming to America, you know what I mean? Working at, uh, not whack Arnold's, but what was the fake McDonald's? Uh, McDowell's. McDowell's. He worked there where he worked there. He was the dude that probably should have got Eddie Murphy's, uh, everything you know what i mean in the film he was the dude that worked there before eddie murphy came in and uh great character man louis you gotta love louis and it's just kind of deadpan not over the top just very casual um you know what i mean uh acting you know what i mean which is good of course 1992 baby kids you know what i mean which I loved Bebe's Kids. It was like kind of a raunchier comedy uh, cartoon type film. Uh, of course, you know, Robin Harris was like the creator and it was based off of his stand up rest in peace, Robin Harris, very funny dude that died really young. And uh, before we were unable, before we were able to do boom, to cash tribute episodes. So we'll shoot that over to him. Um, but Bebe's Kids is great. And it was very hard to find for the longest time. You know, trying to get your hands on a VHS. And I don't know if it even had DVD release. That's how hard it was because, like I said, when Harris died, I think it was such a his film. You know what I mean? It was, like, based off of his comedy. And, you know, when people die, sometimes things kind of go away if, if the main source isn't there to promote it or to keep the talk about it. You know what I mean? And um, Bay Bay's Kids was great. You know what I mean? It was, you know, Harris played, like, I think he was the – like a boyfriend or a stepfather that had to take the kid, the, the girlfriend's kids out for the day. And the kids were all like troublemakers, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, comedy ensues. Harris was kind of, for anybody that don't remember Harris, because I think he did die in the early 90s, you know, Bernie Mac, I consider to be a lot like the Harris, you know what I mean? Robin Harris, that type of comedy. And rest in peace, Bernie Mac, two geniuses of comedy, you know. Uh, to go with Louie. So very, very sad, you know, to lose any of them. You know what I mean? For sure. But Bebe Kid's always a fun watch. You know, he did an episode of Grace Under Fire, a show that I liked a lot. Um, the Louie Show, you know what I mean? Uh, he, he, he he got his own show in 96, which was cool. You know what I mean? When you're a clean comedian, you, you, they're more likely to give you those TV shows. You know what I mean? So he caught that. Chicago Hope. And then in 1994 to 1998, he did the animated show that we, a lot of kids from our generation really kind of, maybe one of the most things he's known for. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I really uh, connected to. I mean, I remember watching this series. Life and, with and, Louie. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was good. I, it was I great. Re- you know, he, especially me and Hawk are bigger kids. You know what I mean? Bigger men. Yeah. We were probably big kids, too. And, you know, that was his character. It was kind of like the, 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 the downfall of growing up as a fat kid. That was kind of like the premise yeah. of the show. You know what I mean? 
And he had the buck tooth. He had the gap in his tooth. <laughs> and you know what I mean? It was just a great – and it's funny because you weren't used to seeing – like you see that his the, the drawn-out character of young Louis. He's got the bags under his eyes, man. He looks like he's seen some shit in his day. You know what I mean? Like tormented. Um, great show. I don't know if that ever came out on DVD. Um, I'd like to think that we'd get a, a Netflix streaming version of it or something soon with him passing. But yeah, Life with Louie was fucking great. That was right up there with Bobby's World, um, the Howie Mandel vehicle. You know? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He did Touched by an Angel, Allie McBeal, Nash Bridges, Scrub, VIP. Remember VIP with uh, Pamela, Anderson? Fucking Pamela Anderson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, who, just, who, re- who recently just got divorced again. I want to say Pam Anderson lost her mind a couple years ago. And I want to say she was on TMZ because she, before she got married to the dude that she just recently divorced, they were like, they did this weird demon cleansing, like ritual that they like put on their Facebook or whatever. And uh, just madness. Back by Midnight, which is one of the last Dangerfield movies. Um, you know what I mean? I'm surprised we didn't see him in more, in more fucking um, Dangerfield shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. You know, but, you know, and then, of course, of course, you know, he was in Sandy Wexler, which was that Adam Sandler made for Netflix film, which uh, uh, Sandy Wexler is actually uh, a a dude we know named Dave Maul. If Dave Dave Maul became a successful agent, he would be Sandy Wexler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like we said, Baskets with our boy Tom Proctor. Uh, he was in Baskets. He won an Emmy for it, which was good. Good to see him get those props. Uh, Crossdresser. You know, a lot of people say that. Um, a lot. A lot of people will say that with African American actors, society wants to belittle them, so he always always makes them dress as women. Big Mama's house. Um, um, what's that? Uh, Medea. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. But our boy fucking Louis Anderson was doing it too, so nobody can call that. Nobody can say that it's it's just a race thing. We don't believe in fucking dividing races here at the Boombastic cast. We're all one. You know what I mean? Recently, he was in Coming to America, part two. You know what I mean? Which uh, the first one, of course, is a masterpiece directed by John Landis. You know, um, just a really good flick. Uh, part two was not directed by John Landis, unfortunately. Um, but uh, he 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 came back to do his role. Yeah. I have to say, I mean, I was so happy that he at least lived long enough to to come back and be uh, be a part of coming to American America too. Oh yeah, yeah. You were happy about that, huh? Well, I'm happy that you know he. he I mean, it was one of the bigger things he was in, and I thought it was that was nice. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I mean, it's I, ah! I what you haven't what? seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie, but I think it's it's good that you know. I mean, there's so many times where you do uh, they do these remakes or sequels, and then like you know, some actor that you appreciate in the first one dies before. That movie's out, and you kind of feel like, ah, oh, that's a shame that they weren't in it. But I mean, I'm, like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't. But but I, I thought it would it was nice that they included him, and 
brought him back for the for the second one. He was in the pilot of uh, Perfect Strangers. The unaired pilot. Yeah, the unaired pilot. So, and since his character's last name is Appleton, I would assume that he was like Larry's either brother or some kind of uh, relation. Believe it or not, he was Larry. No, no. Was it Larry Appleton that he played? Yeah, perfect. Louis played the role of Larry alongside Bronson Pinchett, who played Balky. Believing Bronson and Louis did not have the right chemistry, Louis's part was recast for the series. Huh, okay, okay. That's a fun right. fact. Cool, cool. I mean, that would have been interesting. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love Louis to death, but I don't think that he and Bronson Pinchard would have worked if they decided to go with him. And, and I mean, uh, Marlon Baker, who ended up taking up Larry Alperton's, uh part, yeah. uh, they they worked well together. Yeah, they but, did. I would have to say that. I wonder if they were they were body shaming. That's why he did. That's why the it didn't quite get there. Because uh, you know, Mark's just as whiny as Louis's persona. You know what I mean? They're very kind of whiny characters. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it's. Yeah, I still don't think, uh, like I said, I love Louis to death, but uh, don't think that uh, it would have worked with the way Marlon Baker, while he was kind of whiny and, 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 and all that, I just think the dynamics just just work better. I mean, I haven't seen the unaired pilot, so maybe, maybe it could have worked, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think the two of them would have worked, especially yeah. with the happy happy uh, dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, supposedly the character of Doctor Ray Stans from the real Ghostbusters cartoon was based on his voice and appearance. Huh. Dan Aykroyd Dan Aykroyd's appeal to the occult and technical know how and John Belushi's comedic delivery. You know, he also did, of course, you know, the Family Feud for a while. Which yeah. one of my, you know, he was probably my favorite, my favorite Family Feud dude next to the one who killed himself off. Who killed himself off? The original dude, I think. Oh, the guy okay. from like I the mean, nine, the, the or maybe the guy from like the eighties into the nineties. Um, like the guy when I originally think of Family Feud. I don't know if it was the first go or one of the first goes, but yeah, the dude that. I kind of know the clean cut dude that kind of um uh he's he was a real clean cut dude he was almost like had a Johnny Carson vibe to him but yeah I believe he went broke and you know killed himself off and he had you know went broke had bad beef with the fam uh and then killed himself off I remember there's a tragic story behind that oh jeez I mean the thing is I saw a few episodes of Family Feud but never really got into it and, uh, I mean, when I saw they had different uh, hosts, I just assumed that either they quit or got fired. And didn't hear, uh, don't remember hearing about him killing himself. So I'm pretty sure he did. You know, uh, he won two Emmys for uh, Life with Louis and then later with Baskets. Mm. You know what I mean? Which was a classic type deal. Um, Richard Dawson, I believe, was the gentleman's name. Uh, the original Family Feud dude. Mm. 
I think, and he was the dude who I said, no, no, he was the original. Yeah, Richard Dawson was the original dude. And then, and then it was, uh, I'm trying to think of the fucking, who the dude was. Yeah, I forget. It was, I know Harvey does it now, which him and Steve Harvey were were close friends. And I know the dude from Home Improvement. Um, oh, yeah, the guy who played Al? Richard Karn, yeah. Yeah. I met him not too long ago. He was at one of the cons recently. I got to meet him. He was a cool oh, dude. Cool. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think of the dude. I'm trying to think of the fucking dude. Was it Bert, Burton Richardson, maybe? Could be. I mean, like I said, I, I don't remember. I mean, other than... Yeah, the more recent ones, I don't remember who did Family Feud before. You know what I mean? Let me see real quick who killed himself. I believe one of them killed himself. I'm pretty sure that that had that weird tie. Um, Yeah, Ray Combs. That's who it was. Yeah, that's his name. I remember him. Clean cut dude, Johnny Carson-like. Um, he was the dude who followed Richard Dawson. He was the second one hmm. and, uh, killed himself off, Doogie. Yeah. He had a weird, you rest in peace him too. You know what I mean? Um, both police and hospital officials refused to comment. Uh, Combs, uh, Combs, 40 years old, hung, uh, hanged himself at the Glendale Adventist Medical Center. Yeah, he went to a mental hospital. That's what it was. He lost oh, his mind. Geez. Everything fell apart for him. Uh, an unidentified friend told Los Angeles radio station KFWB he arrived at the hospital Saturday afternoon with a head injury, probably by banging his head off the wall in complete frustration of life. Uh, his death was definitely a suicide, they said. Uh, both police and hospital officials refused to comment on the report. They called him hang himself only saying that he died of respiratory failure, which means, I guess, he didn't break his neck when he hung himself. He had to fucking suffocate out, which is horrifying. Um, But, yeah, in the hospital, early Sunday. So he went in on Saturday and was dead by early Sunday. Um, Paramedics brought him to the hospital Saturday with a head injury, and uh, supposedly he fell into his jacuzzi Saturday, hit his head falling into his jacuzzi. And, uh, yeah, yeah, there definitely, uh, was some, 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 there was a dark road right there for that dude. So he went from falling, you know, probably drinking, you know, not to throw shade on the dude. Usually when people fall in their jacuzzi, it's because they're drunk. Um, I know whenever I fall in my jacuzzi, it's because I'm drunk (laughs) and, uh, yeah, dude, I remember, I remember that he had a really dark fucking, a really dark ending. I, I knew he killed himself. I forgot the details. But, uh, yeah, definitely Ray Combs, the second one up from Family Feud, killed himself off. And uh, him and Louie, Ray Combs and Louie were my favorite uh, hosts uh, of of Family Feud. You know what I mean? Rest in peace, both those motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Richard Karn I like, too, because we're trying to get Richard Karn on the show. <laughs> Joey Fatone, friend of the show, you know what I mean. He was he was a he was on there. He was fucking. He he did a few episodes too. 
Uh, it's one of those things, dude. A lot of people kind of came and did their deal there. No, you can't, you can't fault them for trying and you can't fault them for dying. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the, the stand up, like we said before, was legendary stuff. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. In 1999, he was paid $1.5 million to do Family Feud. I'll take that. I think myself and Alexander Hawk would like to co-host the Family Feud. If ever you're looking for um, new hosts, sign us up. We're ready to go. You know what I mean? Thanks, yeah. Uh, Fa- Family Feud, one of my favorite of all those 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 game shows. I always liked the Family Feud. So definitely reach out to me and Hawkman for co-hosting when the time comes, when Harvey wants to step down. But, uh, yeah, you know, do you want to say anything else about Louis Anderson? No, not really. Uh, just uh, like I said before, uh, always been a huge fan. Uh, we even tried to get him on the show. And, of course, unfortunately, with uh, uh, the fates uh, weren't on our side or Louis' side and, and never came to happen. Yeah, he was battling uh, cancer, I believe. He was battling cancer for a few years. Yeah. Yeah, very sad yeah. stuff. I mean, when I heard that he was going for cancer, I was like, Oh man, that doesn't sound good. And then shortly afterwards, I mean, we found out that he passed away, and I was like, "Ah oh, man." But yeah, Louis, uh, Louis definitely was one of those actors that I always, always admired. And I mean, heck, being a a, a heavy set guy most of my life, and still am, yeah. that uh, I always have a weakness for the uh, heavy set uh, comedians. That, you know, take something that we've all had to deal with and, you know, and use it to, you know, lighten the load of other people. I'm with it. Louie, Louie. Oh, oh. We're going to miss you. You know what I mean? So, you know, that being said, much love to Louie and respect. Job well done, sir. Job well done. Um, Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those dealios. But yeah, I think that that wraps up our little bonus episode continuation of the memoriam. Um, you know, every now and then we don't wait for the memoriam episodes. We drop an episode like Norm Macdonald, just a rest in peace episode to kind of not wait, but to kind of talk about him directly. And uh, Saget, of course, was going to get that treatment. And then, yeah, earlier today, Meatloaf and, and Louis Anderson in the same day, boom, boom. Uh, very sad stuff. And both of those dudes had an influence on all of us uh, at the Boombastic Media family. Um, so, yeah, for sure. You know, if you guys are out there, you know, dip into some of these people's works. If you're not familiar with them beforehand, uh, get familiar with them. You know, what time better than uh, better late than never, as Cheech Marin says. You know what I mean? So with that being said, we hope all y'all enjoyed this this sad episode of the Boombastic cast as we talked about some of our favorite folks that have passed on this year and uh, we celebrate them highly. You know what I mean? So uh, let we, it won't be too sad because we celebrate the life of, you know what I mean? And uh, with that being said, y'all we'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Boombastic cast. And I'll say real quick last night, I did a, um, or yeah, last night I did a 
interview with the the Hood Smokers podcast, which was a lot of fun. I talked about my my time working in the hip hop world. You know what I mean? So definitely go check that episode out there. They're on YouTube, Hood Smokers Podcast. I think there's a link on the Boombasticast page for it. Uh, check it out. We're going to get Alexander Hawk doing an interview one of these days. They will promote his interview. So, yeah, go go give that, 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 that interview hits. It was a lot of fun. Talked about a lot of cool shit. Uh, Jay Gutta uh, performed the interview. And uh, Jay Gutta going to be... Uh, well, you'll be he's probably hearing him on the show later in the year sometime. But uh, go check that out. If you like this episode, go listen to other episodes of the Boombastic Cast. You know what I mean? Check out the Boombastic Cast social media on the Facebook, um, Boombastic Media on uh, the Facebook. We can find out about other shows that the network has. Always check out Boombastic Media YouTube page. We catch all our video interviews from the Boombastic cast. Check out the Boombastic streaming Patreon page where we have a whole array of podcasts and films. And if you like what we do, you will love that page. Uh, you can start out at $5. Then there's a $10. Then there's a $20 perk for however you live in. Uh, we appreciate the support fully. And uh, much love and respect to the people that passed that we talked about in this episode. And much love and respect to y'all out there listening. And we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of the Boombastic Cast. Peace. Peace.